Hands with Scotty, 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Joining us from a rain-drenched golf course somewhere out there on the Smart Rain guest line. David Locke, kind enough to join us. David Locke's appearances brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Group. David, how are you? Holy Texas rainstorm. Yeah, they do things a little differently down there with their rainstorms. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, this is, I think I've been in a rainstorm this big since, like, once in my life in, like, Denver. Like, when it came through, but then that turned to hail and dented everyone's cars. This is just, like, I mean, tip of the hat to, like, they know how it works around here. Like, all of a sudden, they played a siren. My daughter was on the 16th hole, and, like, we got in, and then we're sitting in the car, and it is just, like, I'm sure you can hear it. It is just pounding. There's probably two inches of water on the ground right now. David Locke, uh, again, joining us here on the Zone Sports Network. And uh, so let's talk a little bit. Uh, Joe LMB gets that four-year, $196 million extension. Did the 76ers really have any choice in that matter? You've got to, you've got to do that extension, don't you? No, you have to do that. Um, I'm sure they would probably rather have it be five years if they could have, or maybe they couldn't have because he already has a year left. I don't actually know the CBA and where his contract was. I mean, my point on that is they're, they're giving him everything you can. You know, when Embiid's engaged, he's probably the best player in the NBA. And, you know, he's still really, really young. And I think we forget sometimes, right? Giannis gets his title at what? What's Giannis now? 28? Yeah. And, you know, LeBron got his first title at 27, 28. Kawhi got his title at by himself in Toronto at 28. And, you know, Tim got an early title because he was with David, but I think, you know, it's a little different. Um, so you start running through when these guys get their first title. Michael, you know, I think it's 28. Um, and so Embiid's just on the path. I don't know how old he is right now because I don't remember how old he was coming out of Cameroon and into Kansas. Um, but, you know, there's just some, there's some age that's still – things that have to go on we do the same thing to donovan right donovan's still just in 24 in his fourth year most of these guys are in their seventh eighth or ninth year by the time they win a title david are we going to see a lot of health management with this team now you got rudy gay who's up in age and mike conley up in age and will we see a more extensive level of health management for some of these older guys now that are with the utah jazz it seems reasonable but i would like to know what health management is like I'd like to know what works and what doesn't. Like, I've talked to some trainers who say to me, playing every other day is actually the perfect thing for an athlete. You're at peak performance. You stay there. The worst thing you can do often is ask a player, give a player three or four days off and then ask them to return to peak performance. So, I mean, there's certainly a wear and tear and a like, amount of miles on someone's legs that you're trying not to do to a Rudy Gay or a Joe Ingles. And we you know, clearly saw with Joe, like when it suddenly goes to 30 and he's playing with the ball in his hands and the burden's bigger, that like it, it impacts his performance. Um, and so that's, you know, that's completely reasonable. But I, I do get a little nervous on this. Like we've done a lot of this load management stuff. I don't know that we've seen a decrease in injury. Now there've been a lot of extenuating circumstances recently that make it really hard to tell what's going on. But there, you know, there, there could be an argument. I don't think there's any question that the modern game asks a lot more out of the player. Like, if you watch, like, closeouts and rotations defensively, like, you used to just guard your man and stay with your man. You didn't have to rotate the middle of the court to cut off a drive and get back to your man, and those closeouts have to be burdened. So I'm all in on, like, that there needs to be different treatment of these athletes because we're asking them to do far more than we did 10 or 15 years ago and even – 2530 and think that those you know when i hear like well that you're yeah shut up um but i do wonder sometimes what like 
do we actually know what's working, what's not, or are we just guessing? Really enjoyed watching Trent Forrest in Summer League, and uh, the Jazz roared him with another contract. What do you think the um, – what is the ceiling for him? What do you think he could offer an NBA team before it's all said and done? Well, his strengths are obvious. He's got a great body, six foot four. He can get where he wants to on the floor. Um, he, he's able to use his body to be able to clear opportunities, and he sees the floor beautifully and understands angles. His weaknesses are obvious, too. He's just not a yeah. good shooter. He's not elite athletically. You know, he's got to solve. Like, I always say this, like, scouts don't miss on players' weaknesses. You know, like, when Paul Millsap goes in the second round, like, they didn't miss on his weaknesses. What they missed on what some of his strengths were. So, you know, the question is, are Trent Forrest's strengths so good they can overcome those weaknesses? But lack of athleticism and lack of shooting are pretty too – and athleticism is probably not fair. I mean, we saw that dunk that gets him – you know, that's a, a one-foot dunk driving through the lane. That's pretty special. But he's not blowing by people on a one-on-one Allen Iverson crossover or Donovan Wiggle the same way as we – you know. So when I say athleticism, he's not freeing himself on the dribble without help, angles, picks, things of that nature. Um, so, you know, the question is whether or not his strengths are so good that they're going to overcome those weaknesses. David, when, you, when you've watched Rudy Gay play the five or, or you know, play that that middle that center position, I'm wondering what type of usage is he or what type of usage was he in those moments? So I just to be really honest, uh, Hans, and I, I can't answer that question. I have um, I would like to go back and watch some Spurs games when he played center, and I just haven't done it yet. I haven't had the chance. I'll probably do it in September um, as we get ready to get going and find go to popcornmachine.net and find some games where he played center, you know, use basketball reference to try to figure out what those games are. Um, so I haven't seen it, um, and I don't know how they used him because Pop also wasn't ever really going to five out and playing in that style. So I don't know the answer to your question. Okay. I was just wondering because I – I, my mind was taking me to, well, you signed Rudy Gay. What is the usage? And at that center position, how did they use him? And would that ever be a possibility for the Utah Jazz? Because my mind takes me to all places where Rudy Gay could be successful on the court. And I'm trying to identify, was, was he brought in with the purpose of being a catch-and-shoot shooter? Or was he brought in with the purpose of potentially helping in small ball? And I can't really draw an accurate line to which I believe it is. I think he gives us versatility. Um, I will say texting with some people who um, are around the Spurs a lot, they basically told him has to play the five. I thought that was a little strong. Um, But they basically said at this point he better play the five. So that's an interesting. But we have white side to play like our drop big. Um, but I do think as playoffs get smaller and we need that versatility, it at least gives us the option. I think the four, the three guys they signed, Whiteside, Pascal, and Rick Gay, all give you a little bit different way to play that position and that we didn't have that, right? There was only one way for us to play last year, so I think that was um, a pretty, that's a pretty important step in the right direction, at least in versatility. I don't think Rudy Gay is going to be used as a primarily catch-and-shoot guy because he's not very good at it compared to what we've been otherwise, but... Is he a drive closeouts, move the ball? Like, I think what's interesting about Rudy Gay is when you look at his numbers over the years, like he really clearly in the last five or six years has kind of changed his game all the time to see what the next, the other people have done, right? Or what his team needs, excuse me. So what the other people need from him. Like one year in San Antonio was the highest this guy. Last year his usage was like equal to his peak usage rate year. So um, I think in that sense it's interesting to watch him adapt. 
David Locke joining us here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Uh, who, in your opinion, now that uh, free agency's kind of settled down, the draft is in the rearview mirror, who, uh, you know, two or three teams that have had, in your opinion, uh, the best off seasons? In the West, who had the best off seasons? Wow. Um, maybe Phoenix re-signing Chris Paul, though I think that'll hurt them long-term. But in the short term, I think that was, you know, maybe Utah re-signing Mike Conley. Like, I just think getting those teams back together was probably a pretty big win for them. Um, I didn't think anyone in, I thought Clippers got better on the Eric Bledsoe trade Patrick Beverly is a shadow of what he once was just a distraction at this point um, so I actually think they got better with Eric Bledsoe I know he's kind of like gets panned all the time he's actually good um, so I thought that is the only move by any team that I've seen I don't you know Dallas best move of the offseason was getting rid of Josh Richardson and not having to pay for that like I'm not sure that makes you better and I don't um, I like Milwaukee's like million dollars out. Like I like Semi Ojale, Rodney Hood, and there was a third one they signed that I thought were like, oh wow, three play. Oh George Hill, three players mm-hmm. kind of on the minimum that like can actually play, and like that's what you get when you're a championship team. Um, I don't know. Like if Kemba can play, New York got better because their point guard position was a disaster last year. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of teams that I think got dramatically better in the offseason. Who am I forgetting? Well, I was actually leading into the Knicks because I think the Knicks quietly have had a pretty good, and 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 a lot of it is in regards to what Kemba's got left in yeah, the tank. Yeah, I don't know but, if Kemba can play. I mean, clearly Boston yeah. doesn't think Kemba can play anymore. No. Mm-hmm. Marcus Smart getting seventy-seven million is that uh, is that about right for his market value? He's a pretty valuable player. Done a lot of things right for them. He's probably important to who they are as a team. Um, feels like a lot. All these numbers feel like a lot, and then you got to put them <laughs> yeah. in, and then you say, okay, well, it's under 20, and he's a starter. That's probably good, right? Like, Boyan's, Boyan's at 20 for us, I think, and a starter. Joe's at, like, 11 and a, and a virtual starter, so that's pretty good. Our other starters are at 40. Mike's at 25. Like, yeah, so that's probably the right number for your fourth, fourth starter on a team, and, he's, and he is your personality. Like, losing Marcus Smart for the Celtics seems to me like that would be a bigger loss then it would be a gain for someone to add Marcus Smart, if that makes sense. Like, he seems like he's a little bit of their DNA. Can can Schroeder get some of that back? I mean, he's still just 27 years old. Uh, obviously, he should have taken the $84 million, But Boston, I know, you know, Marcus is going to get all the opportunities there. But if he if, – if there's an injury there, I mean, can there be a little bit of a redemption there for him before it's all said and done? I think Reggie Jackson – did we talk about this last week or two weeks ago? Like, I think Reggie Jackson's the nice parallel there. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, this was Jake and Gordon. Like, I'm a little reluctant to just bury Dennis Schroeder the way he's been buried for this. Like, obviously, the memes are great. Like, the idea that he turned down $84 million. I don't really know that I totally believe that actually is what took place. Like, let's just say it didn't take place. The Lakers can't come out and say, actually, we never offered. And he can't come out and say, actually, I never turned it down. Like, it feels like that guy, like, maybe an agent threw that out there, like, to try to throw his market value up. But the deal wasn't quite 84 Like, feels to me like there's... Like, there's a little more to that story than we're being told. Because, like, frankly, if he really got offered 84 and he wanted 95, like, they would have got a deal done, I think. Unless he didn't really get 84 or he didn't really want to go back to the Lakers because he didn't want to play there. Like, it just seems to me there's more to that than has been reported. But it's also one of those things that nobody's actually going to tell that, like, the Lakers can't come out and say, actually, we didn't offer that. And the agent can't come back out if he's the one who leaked it and say it. Like, so it's a little bit. So I, but I do think he's a little bit in the case of where Reggie Jackson is. Like, Reggie had the big contract in Detroit, 
and then things didn't, like, really, you know, they didn't work out, and then he suddenly gets cut, and then he gets banished, and he gets, like, a, a bad, you know, reputation, and then he goes to the Clippers, and all of a sudden he's terrific. Like, now he's making $10 million, and he probably could have made 18 on the open market this year. So I do feel like there's a little element in Dennis Schroeder that he'll that he's not he's being kind of miscast now full picture on Dennis Schroeder when he came into the draft he slipped up because he was known there was questions about his attitude so then when he's in Oklahoma City and he like wants to start and he does all that and he goes to LA and he demands he's a starter like that's tarnished him a little bit and now this has tarnished him again so he's got a little reputation game whether rightfully or wrongfully I don't know, but that's factual as those things have all been talked about. So it's, uh, he's got a little reputation game he's got to fix, too. David, I just wanted to get a reaction from you before you leave. Uh, Tim McMahon reporting the Christmas nightcap per sources. Luka Doncic and the Mavericks face Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and the Utah Jazz in Salt Lake City, Utah. Oh, that's awesome. Per sources. That is so awesome. Oh, that makes my day. That's one <laughs> of the coolest things I've ever been a part of when we did it in Portland. Uh, I mean, that is just an incredible honor to the organization um, to be a part of that. It's a statement of who you are in the league. Thank you to Donovan for being, you know, that level of star that we get. That is, oh, man, that fires me up. That's totally awesome. I can't wait. That, that, is, that is great. That is, that is outstanding. I love that. What was, uh, I mean, I was there. Uh, you that's were there. The but fun, yeah. That's the most fun, like, non, like, that might be the most fun regular. I mean, I'm sure I've had a better rate. Like, we've had some great games, but, like, atmosphere around a regular season game that wasn't like the old when I was doing pre-halftime post-game Jazz Bulls and things like that. Like, like that's, that game against Portland was about as, like, and also, like, the, the, the whole league's watching. And, frankly, like, not to, like, like an announcer standpoint, like a home game on that means you're on Series XM and Chuck D's listening, baby. So I got Chuck with me on Christmas Eve, on Christmas night. Hey, if you're not framing those Chuck D tweets, something's seriously wrong with you. Because that, like that's about as there cool can't be as two bigger mismatches than me and Chuck D. Uh, I, I, my guy. And, and there's been a the few world, of them too. The world can get along, man. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, appreciate it. Hopefully the rain stops and you can get back out on the course, man. Thanks for your help. All right, talk to you soon. That is so cool. I'm fired up. Thanks for letting me know. You bet. David Locke right here on 97.5, 1280 Zone.